In the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Annie Dillard's The Writing Life, one can find some of the best life advice there is. It's written in a framework of a nonfiction exploration into why we write. Dillard is a master at blending poetry and prose as she dances between fiction and nonfiction. She crafts narratives that seem to be about nothing but always have something to say about the divine and of the sacredness of the world in which we live. This week, as I wrestled with our passage from Isaiah, again and again, one line from The Writing Life kept coming to me. How we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. For Dillard and for those like me who have fallen in love with this simple reminder, our lives are shaped as much by normal Sundays as they are by once-in-a-lifetime, ten-week sabbaticals. It is how we spend our normal, inconsequential days that shape us. This Dillard quote kept coming to me as I turned to the poetic lines from the last half of chapter 58 in the book of Isaiah. As I turned these words over and over, I think part of the connection for me was that Isaiah also weaves poetry and prose as he casts a vision for what might become of the people of Israel. Written in 8th century BC, the book of Isaiah spans such a large amount of history that many scholars divide it into three separate but united works. Third, Isaiah, from which our passage is pulled, focuses on freedom and liberation. The people of Israel have been exiled, scattered into the diaspora, their streets are destroyed, their land is dry, and ancient ruins lie all around them. It is the prophet's job, it's Isaiah's job, to not just foretell what will come if God's will is followed, but also to name the truly uncomfortable truths about where their society is in the moment. This uncomfortable truth names the ways in which the brokenness of the world around us must be witnessed if any sort of repairs will come. And this uncomfortable truth and unkind presentation is why prophets are some of the least beloved characters in our holy scriptures. Prophets like Isaiah spend their whole lives orienting and reorienting themselves to God and to try to relay to God's people the ways in which they might be missing the mark. In our passage today, he shares with the people in this poetic way that when they exalt the lowly, when they feed the hungry, when they care for the needs of the afflicted, that God will grant them respite from the brokenness of the world around them. 
The path forward, Isaiah tells them, is not to get to work, to pull all their resources together, to quickly fix what is clearly broken in their lives, but rather Isaiah tells them that God is inviting them to stay. God is inviting them to stay in those broken places, to care for those in need. And perhaps most importantly and most challengingly, to keep the Sabbath holy. Do not, Isaiah says, trample the Sabbath. Specifically, Isaiah exhorts the people to withhold from pursuing their own interests, to tend to any business, and to not work to secure any of the world's comforts on the Sabbath. As I prayed through Isaiah's words this week, I couldn't stop ruminating on how a Sabbath, the Sabbath, is a communal practice. When the Sabbath is trampled upon, it is very often done so at the expense of individuals who are less fortunate with less power. I couldn't stop thinking about how Sabbath rest can only live into its holiness when everyone gets to experience it. That in God's kingdom, rest is not a privilege for the wealthy and the powerful. It is a God-instilled need and gift. And I couldn't stop wondering about the ways in which my own comfort and my own rest very often requires me to ignore the plight for of those for whom rest is so rarely available. The summer between finishing my Master of Divinity and doing my Anglican year, my last year of seminary, I worked with the Diocese of Philadelphia. I worked for their city camp where we held week-long summer camps at churches around the city. I served as chaplain to the counselors, and we all lived in this old convent that was definitely haunted. I will gladly tell you that story. <laughs> it was in one of the oldest neighborhoods in Philadelphia, which also happens to be one of the most ghettoized neighborhoods in Philadelphia. It was the summer of 2016, and I was not any sort of naive adult, but it rocked my world. The rector and I would frequently walk the grounds of the church to do a needle search, to look for heroin needles. And we found plenty and we found other drug paraphernalia. But one time we were walking and we also found behind the crucifix a bloodied, heavy chain, clearly used in a street fight. I only lived there for 10 weeks. And every night, there was gunfire in that neighborhood. The most gut-wrenching of which was when a few stray bullets from a drive-by shootout hit and killed a father and his four-year-old daughter picking up groceries at the corner store down the street. I cannot fully describe the intensity of that time or of that neighborhood. 
But honestly, of all of it, the thing that was hardest to stay attuned to and open to was how we would have to beg the children to eat their lunches. Not because they didn't like them and not because they weren't hungry, but because they were desperate to take these oranges or crackers or peanut butter home to their starving families. This week, I couldn't stop thinking about trampled Sabbaths. To me, a trampled Sabbath looks like that neighborhood in Philadelphia, where years of systemic racism have yielded a truly unconscionable reality. A reality where people starve, Americans starve, and live under the threat of constant violence. And I want to make sure that I convey here that we don't have to go to some major city far away to find the effects of a trampled Sabbath. It exists at every level of our society, and our own community is not excluded. A trampled Sabbath is having to always carry your birth certificate and your social security card because you have no home to keep it safe. A trampled, trampled Sabbath is the reality that it's easier to treat our problems with drugs and alcohol than it is to secure physical and mental health care, no matter your economic bracket. A trampled Sabbath is when we ignore the ways in which the world thrives on oppression, and we choose our own comfort over working toward repairing the breach. When I see this oppression all around us, all I can think is how anytime I uphold the oppression of anyone, I am working to suppress God's abundance. We trample the Sabbath when we have a scarcity mindset while claiming to have and to be people of hope. I have wrestled all week with this passage. These words from Isaiah have haunted me as I've thought through all the ways in which it feels impossible. It feels impossible to not take part in trampling the Sabbath in our world. And the truth is, I don't think it just feels impossible. I think it is impossible. I've wrestled with Isaiah's words so much this week because when it comes to God's justice and liberation, we are required to believe in the impossible. Nothing in this world tells us that that sort of justice and liberation is within our reach, and yet we have hope. And I know that when I'm faced with this level of need for this impossible place and status of justice and liberation, it seems that I often take two paths, one of two paths. I either shut down, block it out, live my comfortable life in Kentucky, with my two dogs that I love very much. Or 
I become so consumed with guilt that I am paralyzed and can do nothing. In Isaiah's words today, I hear a call to notice the brokenness of this world around us and to choose to remain in the messy middle. The messy middle where we will have guilt and we will be overwhelmed, but we have to stay and to witness the pain of the world. I hear a call to have our eyes open to this pain and to work toward God's justice and liberation. I hear a call for us to believe in the impossible nature of God's abundance. I hear that call to believe in God's abundance even as the world continues to trample the Sabbath. The prophet Isaiah says that when we refrain from this way of the world, that our gloom will be like the noonday. When our gloom will be like the noonday, so even when light feels impossible in the darkness, and staying aware to the pain of the brokenness of this world makes us want to shut it out, we are called to remember that the most sacred thing we can do is to stay present to the impossible hope of God's justice and liberation. Good Lord, hear our prayer. Amen. <laughs>